many of our businesses were either not expanding here or looking at expanding elsewhere or moving elsewhere because they were getting that frustrated. Hello and welcome to episode 181 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast from the Institute for Local Self-Reliance. I'm Lisa Gonzalez. This fall, Hudson, Ohio launched its publicly owned Velocity Broadband service for local businesses. In this episode, Chris interviews City Manager Jane Howington. Jane describes the sorry state of the community's connectivity and how they had approached incumbents but could not convince them to invest. According to Jane, city leaders were concerned Hudson would lose its ability to attract and retain employers. Jane describes the city's business plan and strategy. As you will hear, Velocity Broadband is already having significant success. For information on municipal networks and telecommunications, the Community Broadband Bits podcast is the place to go. We offer a unique perspective with no annoying commercials. Please consider making a contribution at muninetworks.org or ilsr.org. Any amount helps out. Now here's Chris and Jane Howington, city manager from Hudson, Ohio, talking about the city's new Velocity Broadband. Welcome to another edition of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. I'm Chris Mitchell, and today I'm speaking with Jane Howington, Hudson's city manager in Ohio. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you very much. Jane, I'm excited to have you on the show. Uh, we started talking about doing this interview, and since then, you've actually launched the service. Um, so before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about the city of Hudson? Hudson is a delightful community in Northeast Ohio, fairly historic. It's at the southern tip of the Western Reserve, which was developed historically as, as from land-grant Massachusetts colonies. Um, Hudson was the first and original home of Case Western Reserve University. Case Western moved up into uh, Cleveland, and their facility here, their campus here, is now a private high school, boarding school. Hudson is about 24,000 people, a population. It's centered north of the uh, Akron area and south of Cleveland area. So we get a lot of corporate executives and um, transplants from both the Cleveland metropolitan area as well as the Akron area. Um, we're a very walkable community, um, historic downtown, and we have a lot of small to mid-sized businesses here who have had trouble with being able to get a adequate and reliable um, broadband infrastructure for their businesses. And so that was one of the Im impediments that we felt like we needed to solve for our population. Well, that's interesting. I had no idea that Case Western had started off there. And uh, of course, um, you know, I, I've long known uh, Lev Gonick, uh, who had been their CIO and was influential in the uh, One Community Project that uh, came out of um, Case Western uh, originally. So um, it's an interesting connection. Um, now, you have cable and DSL available throughout the community, but as you were saying, I think um, it was not sufficiently reliable for um, some of the businesses and others. Can you tell me more about that? We have a couple of the major providers, such as Windstream and Time Warner, that, that are fairly prevalent throughout the community. We have uh, one, one community that has a couple of um, strands in this area and so on. The problem that we were seeing with our, our businesses in particular, but our residents in addition, were not able to have the access and the speed and the reliability. So 
Um, it was very typical that when school let out, mid-afternoon, early to mid-afternoon, a lot of the businesses' internet connections would um, would either slow down or just drop off because the kids would be getting home from school and getting on their devices and everything is shared at, with the strands and so on. And so it became a real problem with businesses that deal worldwide now and use a lot of virtual technology in, in order to have their meetings, their conferences, their orders, and so forth. You know, it's actually interesting to hear that because I know that for many years we heard that on cable systems, which themselves were shared. Uh, but we have heard that more and more con- that congestion problem developing on other services as well. And it, you know, the cable service is shared at the last mile, but often um, people don't realize that DSL is often shared as well in terms of getting um, maybe out of a neighborhood or out of a. Um, um, out of an entire community. And so you can have that massive congestion happening on any kind of these uh, more legacy type services. So um, I just wanted to throw that out there because I think people are so used to thinking of cable as being a shared medium, but DSL is not. It really depends on what side of the network you're looking at. Absolutely. And we're hearing actually a lot of residential um, customers are now, citizens are now saying the same thing because you have you know, you have houses. Some people have their home office there. Um, then the kids come home and they are on four or five devices. And and you know, if somebody downloads a Netflix, it just that's it. There's there's no other room. So, was there another aspect of the the, the prior situation that you felt the city needs to address that you were going to explain to us? Yeah. So the second issue that came up here was the the issue of uh, customer service and I guess accountability businesses, and I'm going to rely mainly on businesses in this conversation, but businesses were reporting that they, you know, they weren't getting the service, their systems would go down or be cut out, and they wouldn't get responses from the providers, and so they would be going for periods of time without internet access, and or they'd be asking for upgrades and they'd get promises, but it would be six months or eight months before anything happened. Um, and really what we found was that the companies, that they weren't really willing to invest in infrastructure to make this system here in Hudson more reliable. So what we did about a year ago when, when we were hearing a lot about this, we did a survey with both the business community and the uh, residential community to find out exactly what the issues were. That was done last December in January, and out of that, we found that there was just a huge pent-up demand. Many of our businesses were either not expanding here or looking at expanding elsewhere or moving elsewhere because they were getting that frustrated. So when we got the results of that, we reported back to council, and council said, well, we think we need to move forward with seeing what we could do to provide, provide a solution to this. So after you did this survey, um, and I, I'm always curious about this sort of thing um, because I feel like surveys can reveal such interesting details, uh, what did you decide to do next? Well, you know, we hired a company, uh, Magellan, and they were the ones that came in and did the survey so that there was some integrity in the survey outcome. And then we went ahead, council said, you know, let's do a business plan and see what solutions are out there. So we used Magellan to do that business plan and to start looking at options. What could we do? 
And there were three options that really came out of it. The first one was we went to the providers and said, our people are having problems. Can you, you know, can you invest more in the structure in husband? And the answer to that was no. The second solution was, well, maybe since the city owns a power company, maybe we could just, and we own our poles, maybe we could run the fiber and then we could lease it to the private companies so that we had some control, but it was still private competition. And the third option was that the city would actually become a service provider for fiber and broadband. It's worth noting then, and something we didn't cover, is that you already as a city have a history of of, uh, providing utility-type services. Can you tell me a little bit about, I understand you have a distinction between um, what you think of as a utility and what you think of as a service. The city provides water, we provide sewer, we provide power. They're utilities and they're regulated through PUCO, EPA, and so on. And they're either, you know, depending on where you live, you either can get that utility or not. Where I live, I don't have water available, so I have a well. If I had city water going by, that would be what I'd have to use. I didn't have a choice. That was a utility. Um, the service, we, we consider broadband a service because it's something that's provided, but people don't aren't compelled. They don't have to take it. They can use anybody else or nobody. That's where we see the differentiation between the service we provide in broadband or the utility we provide in water, sewer, and power. This discussion skipped ahead a little bit of uh, what you ultimately decided, but um, you decided to um, go with the third option where the city would both put um, fiber on the poles and uh, deliver a service. And um, and you've uh, come up with a, a great name for that. Um, it's actually that we have a local company here that does great work in Minnesota also that goes by the name. Why don't you tell us what it is? Velocity Broadband. It's high speed built for Hudson. And I should just say, just to back up a little bit, because I think maybe people wonder, why did we just pick this option? And we didn't. This is our last option. Council wanted us to try and work with the other providers. The other providers didn't want to invest further in the community. So the council, the next step, council asked us to negotiate with the providers and see if they would lease space on if we put the infrastructure in. And we couldn't get commitments from that. So it was really, we ended up going kind of into becoming a service provider with Velocity because if we don't do it, nobody will. Well, that's a good, a great distinction. I think a lot of communities have gone through that where they've, they've really tried hard to work with the incumbent providers because as a city manager, you could probably spend hours telling us all the things that the city has to do. Um, nobody <laughs> wants to add on to that list if they don't have to. Correct. Well, I was worried about that. Our employees have been just spectacular with making Velocity the hit that it is and the the quality service that it is. It's just, it's nothing short of spectacular, the amount of work that our crews and our staff have done to make this project a success. 
Well, and I think from my point of view, you know, for someone who doesn't work with cities but thinks about the best way to solve these problems in the long term, I often think that public ownership is tremendous in terms of its uh, potential to have the kind of outcome you're describing. Uh, but I also recognize that cities have to make very difficult choices. And so, um, you know, it's very common that cities want to work with the existing providers first. But in our experience, and particularly with the two providers you have, they're just not very interested in working with cities. They'd rather just do their own thing and, and, and hope that they can maintain a limited competition environment uh, in which people will have to take their services. Um, now, you've definitely stepped up, and, and one of the things I'm interested in is I think you've decided to take an incremental type approach. Uh, we've seen others do that, and frankly, we don't know of an incremental approach not succeeding, uh, but can you tell me how you're rolling out the service? Um, I've also seen many different models in my career in city management, and I think that the the, the model, that the approach we're taking is probably the, the best approach. It's um, really based off of the business model. If you're an entrepreneur and you start up business, you're going to have an offering and you're going to start building in revenue as well, while you're doing the expenditures. So we determined that we would take our business areas. We fa- we're facing the business areas in so that we started off with a business area very close to City Hall because we had existing fiber already run here. We, we, and we lit this area up. Probably our biggest investment right front was the data center and all of the stuff that goes with that. But very, very shortly after we finished the data center, we were able to light people up in the office park here um, so that we started our revenue stream. While that revenue stream is generating, moving our engineering into our second phase of the commercial center, we're already signing people up. Those people are going to start getting um, lit up in December. At the same time, we're moving our engineering phase into the third area of, of commercial and business activity. So, so as we're moving, we're also increasing our revenue stream. And our business model shows that after, well, we had nine years was the projected analysis. After nine years, uh, the velocity service would be debt-free and positive cash flow. After three years, we were going to have positive cash flow outside of our debt retirement. That was all projected on 50 businesses a year going on to broadband. We've, we've been in existence since late day. We already have almost 20 businesses on right now, and we have another 90 that we're engineering for. Wow, that's 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 what you want to hear. I know that's only in phase. That's only in this next phase. Well, our major downtown center is our third phase. They're starting the engineering now, moving into January. So, the reaction has been almost like people are being offered water after being, you know, after walking the desert. Well, I'm I'm curious if you're hearing from residents as well that are saying, look, we really want to have this in our homes. Yes, we're hearing a lot of that. We have an awful lot of people that have home offices here. And so now they're seeing the success of this, really wanting us to get into the residential areas. And we're really trying to be cautious. We don't want to get overextended and not be able to deliver quality product. And it's very hard to do residential areas. It's not hard if it's a very compact 
um, dense area, just like businesses, a business park or something. But when you get into the subdivisions, the residential demand, kind of like that old cable business plan, you know, as you get into the less dense areas, it was going to take you longer to get um, cable because the infrastructure took, was more expensive to get out there. Right. We actually are looking at a couple other models of residential. Um, we're experimenting with trying to run our cable through existing um, electric wires as one model. Uh, that way we would be able to provide service without running a lot of cable. And then there are some areas where we think that wireless is going to be the answer to some areas. Right, and that could be, um, you know, it could be a, a solution for a few years, and then over time you may be able to expand back um, fiber at a low cost um, as part of other projects maybe. Uh, you know, I think Absolutely. you don't have to do, try and figure out how to do it all at once. The goal is to give people some options and uh, keep improving things year after year, I think. Yes, absolutely. And I think you're right. And as we reconstruct our roads or we do waterline replacement or whatever, the fiber is going to, or at least conduits, can be placed underground wherever we can so that, you know, it'll be a little bit of a jigsaw puzzle for a while and ultimately all the pieces will fit together. You know, if I was to talk with you in three or four years um, or, you know, a time period that you might suggest, how would we know if you've succeeded in this effort? There's probably a couple of ways. One, you can look at our business plan and see if financially we're meeting or exceeding the business plan and our cost projections. Probably the most successful one would be how many people and businesses have signed on and are still using our system for customer satisfaction. I mean, that's the whole reason we're in the business right now is providing the services that our customers and citizens were not getting what they needed. I'm curious, uh, you know, are you seeing any benefits to anchor institutions, uh, schools, fire stations, anything like that? Are you able to connect them as well as part of this effort? Well, all of our municipal buildings were already connected. We had run fiber for our municipal facilities for redundancy and emergency control. So that was all all done. And we already have the schools tied on to that system or we're tied on to their system. But they've asked us to put this system in place as backup. So some of our anchor institutions are already looking at this as a backup Many of our major institutions, our major businesses, are talking to us about this because most of the major businesses are tied onto the Internet through T1 lines. Not that they just want to give up their current system, but they're all starting to think we need redundancy too, and this would be a better way to get redundancy. Right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. And let me ask if you have any uh, final words in terms of uh, um, thoughts on the project, because um, I really appreciate you sharing it with us. And um, let me just give you one more chance to, to share anything. Yeah, I think the only thing I really want to add to that is that it, the model where the city becomes a municipality or even the county becomes the provider of the service is not as common a model as as the other models that we talked about earlier. So I've been to some conferences and seen some information, but very little is is presented with the governmental entity becoming the service provider. And I think that's really helpful for other communities that feel the need to get into this. But I think that they really need to work with their eyes open because I've seen an awful lot of communities that, that try and 
put all of their eggs into the infrastructure basket before they have any revenue generation and they're never able to get it off the ground. What would you recommend that another uh, city manager would do then? Would it be to um, just start slow or would it be to do more research beforehand? I'm I'm not quite sure um, how uh, I might take that. I would take it as making sure you do more research, that there are a lot of options out there. Some of them are fairly new, like this one. If you just follow what your neighbors do, it might not be right for your community. So what I'm trying to say is, as a takeaway is um, just because HUD's successful on this, in this initiative doesn't mean every other community will be doing the same model as we have. But on the other hand, there were several models that we chose not to take because they wouldn't have been successful with us. Right. I think in, in, there in Ohio, you have the Dublin model, which might be better for some communities and some might be better with Hudson. I think, um, you know, some uh, different communities just have different assets. They have different uh, core expertises. And quite frankly, they have different challenges. That's correct. And there's, you know, Medina County, you know, they have the open network. I think they have two um, providers on it. So there's not that much competition with that. And there's another community closer up to Cleveland that's looking at doing this, but they don't have a power company. So their model's going to have to be entirely different than ours. Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us more about Hudson, about Velocity, and, and these thoughts for other communities. Well, thanks for asking, and we're more than happy to talk to anybody that's contemplating this kind of thing. That was Chris visiting with Jane Howington, city manager from Hudson, Ohio talking about their new municipal network, Velocity Broadband. Check out our stories on Hudson, Ohio at muninetworks.org. We've got several. Follow Chris on Twitter. His handle is at communitynets. You can also follow muninetworks.org stories on Twitter, where the handle is at muninetworks.org. Send us your ideas for the show. Email us at podcast at muninetworks.org. Thank you to Arnie Hughesby for the song Warm Duck Shuffle licensed through Creative Commons. And thank you for listening to episode 181 of the Community Broadband Bits podcast. <laughs>